You are listening to World Harvest Church's weekly podcast. WHC is a cross-cultural church with passion for reaching the lost and hurting. We are mission-minded and committed to raising up generations of mighty men and women of God. If you're in the Atlanta area, check us out on Sunday mornings at either 9 or 11.15 a.m. or on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. From wherever you're listening, we hope this week's message empowers you to grow and go. Well, praise the Lord. God bless you. You can be seated. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. First of all, let me say I'm certainly appreciative, God, for this opportunity to be here and share the, uh, in the word of the Lord with you. I certainly do honor my wife, my fine wife. <laughs> Been married 35 years now. And uh, let me tell you something, that's a major accomplishment. I need to give myself a hand. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Um, It has been a a wonderful trip. I love her dearly. Uh, Almost lost her at the onset of COVID. I mean, literally. And God snatched her from the mouth of death. So I'm glad to see her. I thank God for my brother and sister, Pastors Huftons. Let me tell you, I am... I wasn't going to say this, but when I first got to know this man of God, I never forget, I'd been praying and I said, Lord, I need some help. I need some help. Um, We met and uh, we had breakfast at Silver Skillet. Shout out to Silver Skillet. And he was talking and he said, man of God, I'm here to help you. And you know how Pastor Huffton is. He'll lay out stuff way down the road, you know. And and I never will forget, I sat there and tears welled up in my eyes. Because I had been praying and I'm sitting there listening to the answer. Our God is something else. And ever since then, this man, uh, I love both of them, but this man has been like a a real brother uh, to me. We talk about some of everything. And I think we're living during a time where we're going to see God expedite the process of breaking down walls that have separated us for years. Let me tell you something, my brothers and sisters and those of you who may be watching online. God is up to something. Look at your neighbor and say, God is up to something. And I am so happy uh, to be a part of what the Lord is doing uh, before I move on, I wrote a book, Satan is in Sales, and I, he sold me a lot. <laughs> there was a time when the devil sold me a lot, and I willingly bought it. 
But this is a tremendous book. There's one chapter in there about entitled, I Know Too Much. There are certain things you struggle with now because you gained an experiential knowledge as a child. Maybe you were molested. Maybe something else happened. And you struggle with that knowledge, that carnal knowledge even today. You know too much. This is a powerful, insightful book, and I'm not saying it because the Lord wrote it through me, but it's the truth. It will bless the people of God. Amen? So I want to encourage you to get it, uh, just $15. And I want to, uh, before I get into, well, thank you for those from AOT who, come, who came. I appreciate you and love you so much. I want to show you a brief clip. It's only like five minutes long. Um, the Lord moved on my heart in a strong way about this violence. It captivated my heart and I couldn't get away from it. So it led me to do this and I'm so thankful that Pastor Hufton was there. And from then, you know, one act of obedience can open an avalanche of doors, just one thing. Many times you are praying for God to open up a door and God said, the door is waiting on you to obey. Are you hearing me? So we have a, a five-minute clip of, of um, the outdoor, powerful service, outdoor prayer we did. So at this time, I'll let A.V. go ahead and start showing the clip. Oh. 
Powerful time in the Lord, and I'm so gracious um, and thankful for what God has initiated and what He is continuing to do. And so happy that God has seen fit to make me a part of this process. Amen. I want to talk to you this evening, uh, Luke, the fifth chapter. This man came off vacation, your pastor, and came out there and stood in the sun with us. Amen. Um, you can't help but appreciate friends like that. Luke, the fifth chapter, starting verse number one, and it reads, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon Jesus to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Genezareth. And saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, somebody help me say, Master. Master. We have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when he had done this, they had enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ships that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both of the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the catch of fish that they had taken. 
And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Gracious God, we do thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people and deliver your word. I understand that I am woefully inadequate in and of myself. Therefore, Lord, I ask you to help me be effective. I'm deeply needy, Father. I need your help. Bless me to be a blessing in Jesus' name. And everybody say thank God. And amen. I want to talk to you this evening from the subject, A Tale of Two Fishermen. A Tale of Two Fishermen. I love to fish. I, do I have any fishermen in here? Anybody? Amen. I know pastor does. I love to fish. My father taught me to fish when I was very, very young. I stayed on the lake with my dad. I love to fish. But I, I must admit, it's not like I have a, a lot of skill. <laughs> you know, when the biggest fish I have caught in my life, I caught it pure luck. <laughs> you know, but people don't know that when you show them the fish, right? I never will forget one day I was sitting on the pier, and it was hot. Fish weren't biting, and I was playing on my, I was playing on my phone. Playing on my phone, Googling something I don't know. Then all of a sudden, I hear my rod <laughs> moving down the rail. I look up. My rod is bent. I jump up like the great fisherman I am, full of skill and will. And I stop, and I said, wait a minute. Then I heard my drags. I said, this is a big one. This is a big one. Every fisherman knows the level of excitement you feel when you got the big one. And this is not a fish tale. This is the truth, okay? <laughs> I, was, I started putting them in, but I had to battle them. I was fighting. I only had eight-pound tests on this rod. Eight-pound test, so I had to just let him drag and drag and drag. Eventually, he got tired, but there was a problem. I was on the pier, and the pier was 20 feet above the water, and I only had eight-pound test, okay? So I said, now, Lord, I don't know if this is an appropriate prayer, <laughs> but whatever you do, please don't let me lose this fish. <laughs> so my buddy, we started pulling him up on this eight-pound test, got him up seven-and-a-half-pound bass on eight-pound test. You couldn't tell me I was putting the best thing since sliced bread, man. I caught that fish and I was so happy because I love to fish. That story really serves as a backdrop for what I want to share with you this evening. And I want to say before I get into the crux of the text that many of you here, you are in a season where God is about to open doors for you that have hence been closed. I want you to hear what I'm saying. There is a move of God that God is posturing you for. But there is something that you must do participatory. You must have a part to play in what God is getting ready to do. I want you to point to yourself and say, God, God is getting ready to move in a mighty way on my behalf. I want you to say it with some conviction, on my behalf. Do you know sometimes it's easier for us to pray for somebody else than it is to pray for ourselves. But God gave me the word to tell you that God is about to move in an exponential way on your behalf. Do I have anybody in here that's willing to believe the word of God tonight that God is getting ready to move for you? 
It is your time. Some of you have waited oh such a long time. There are certain things that you have prayed about for so long that you have even stopped praying about them because you have come to the conclusion that it's just not meant to be. But I'm here to tell you that God is a God who answers prayer according to timing. And I feel led of God to say to somebody tonight, it is your time. The drought is about to come. The dam is about to break. God is about to sing blessings your way that are going to overflow and move you to another level in him. Can I get somebody to raise your sanctified hands and say hallelujah. I feel the presence of God in here. So now, in this narrative, we hear the story about Jesus he was teaching. And initially he was teaching from the shore. But he wanted to get on the ship. So he says to Simon, launch out a little bit. Now, I found something as I was studying this. It was very interesting here. Within the first 10 verses, we see the name Simon mentioned no less than five, perhaps even six times. And from the number of times Simon is mentioned, that lets me know that this is about Simon. There is something that Jesus is preparing to do in the life of Simon. The choice of Simon's boat was not an arbitrary choice. It was not a random choice. Your situation, whatever you're dealing with now, it's not random. It's not arbitrary. But God orchestrated it because there is something that God is getting ready to show you that he could not reveal to you any other way. So instead of praying that God would bring you out of it, say, Lord, what is it? that you want me to learn while I'm in the midst of this. It's uncomfortable. It's made me cry. But there is a lesson that Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Ghost is trying to teach you. And when you get the lesson, good God Almighty, I wish I had some sanctified folk in here. When you get the lesson, God is about to take you higher. Somebody raise your hand and say higher. 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 Because that is what God is about to do. You are about to receive a, a manifestation of the Holy Ghost that you have not seen in your lifetime. God is about to rain on you. God is about to breathe on you. God is about to take you to another level. God is about to heal your bodies. Oh! Somebody say, oh! Oh, I feel some fire in here tonight. So, by the mention of the name Peter, that gives us insight into the fact that there is a lesson there, uh, that he wants to teach Peter. There is something that he's going after in Peter. So Jesus concludes, he concludes his preaching and his teaching. And then he says to Simon, launch out into the deep. Now you have to understand, that's the last thing that Simon wants to hear. He was washing his nets. He was finished for the day. And you know what I find interesting here? They normally fished at night in shallow water. Jesus is telling him to launch out in deep water during the day. What an unconventional God we serve. You know what I come to find about serving our God? You cannot confine the move of God to the conventional because our God 
will move in such an unconventional way that will blow your mind. Don't let yourself become a prisoner of logic. Because when you are a people of faith, you cannot allow logic to bind your faith from moves of God. Can somebody help me say amen? Somebody help me say, whoo. Oh, I feel my helper here tonight. I feel my helper here tonight. So he says, Peter, launch out into the deep. Again, this is the absolute last thing. That Peter wants to hear because he's already done that. He's tired. But essentially, I want you to hear what the Lord is saying through these words. Essentially, he's saying to Peter, do it again. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Do it again. Peter's saying, Lord, I've been there. I've been unsuccessful. I've done it before and things didn't work. Many times you begin, you want to abandon the process because of what you've done and it did not work. And then God comes and tells you, do it again. Do it again. Somebody in here, you've just about given up on something. But the Holy Ghost is leading me to tell you, do it again. Do it again. Don't you give up. Give again. Serve again. Love again. Do it again. Don't allow allow life to convince you to throw in the towel. We are not quitters. So I said, Peter, launch out. Do it again. Do it again. Then Peter says, but but you know, here's the thing. When Jesus says to Peter, launch out into the deep. Now, I have to believe, based on Peter's impulsive nature, that when he responded, he responded immediately. He was not the kind of person that would think about stuff before he did it. (laughs) Peter would just do it, you know. But what Peter did not understand was there was a blessing tied to his willingness to obey God, your God, my God, places a premium on obedience because your obedience invokes the authority of God over a situation. There are many doors that God wants to open for you, but the door remains closed until you obey. Look at your neighbor and say, stop making excuses. It's time for you to bust a move. Stop making excuses for why you don't serve. Stop making excuses for why you don't give. Stop Stop making excuses for why you don't go and be a part of street reach. God is saying to you, B-U-S-T-A-M-O-V-E. Bust a move, baby. Bust a move. Let me tell you something. In the Old Testament, the walls of Jericho, God gave them a profound strategy. Here's what we're going to do, fellas. Yes, Lord. I want you to walk around six times, once, one time a day for six days. Yes, Lord. On the seventh day, walk around seven times. Yes, Lord. And then I want you to yell. <laughs> and you say, what? <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the point that we must all understand. Their willingness to obey was significant. Because the walls had already been commanded by God to fall. But the authority of God over the situation was not activated until they started.
started walking. That is what God wants you and I to know. It's not that he doesn't want to bless you. It's not even that the devil is fighting against you sometimes. You are your own worst enemy because you walk in rebellion against what you know that God has told you to do. What is it that our God has told you to do? And you keep making excuses for why you're not doing it. Instead of walking around the wall, you're talking about, Lord, I got a, uh, my big toe in. If your, your If I got a lip to get my blessing, baby, I'm going. <laughs> I might not get there as fast as you do, but I'm going to lip my way into my blessing. Do I have anybody in here that has ever been through hell and high water and you couldn't run? You couldn't walk fast. You were so wounded that all you could do. Sometimes you got to, somebody say limp. <laughs> One thing about limping, as long as you're limping, you know you're moving. <laughs> so, the authority of God is invoked over situations based on our willingness to obey. Pastor is talking tonight about giving. It is so true that to receive, you must let go. That is the principle of the kingdom. To receive, you got to release. A seed in your hand is simply potential. But when you release the seed into the ground, you place the seed into an environment that is conducive to germination. So to get what's in the seed out, you've got to place the seed in the ground. And as the water rains on the earth and it soaks into the seed, there's a little embryonic plant inside the seed. And the water nourishes the little embryonic plant inside the seed. And the little embryonic plant begins to grow and the seed begins to soften. And that, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. This is what God is trying to teach us when you obey. You set some things in motion. And there's one person who fights against the saints giving. We all know who that is. I can't afford to give. You can't afford not to. Let me tell you, you can't afford not to give. Our very salvation was contingent upon a gift for God so loved the world that he. So without the gift, we wouldn't be saved. Salt. Somebody help me say salt. He says, Lord, we have, this is so, he said, we have toiled, toiled. Toil gives me insight into the fact that there was a lot of hard work involved. You see, Peter was not fishing for sport. He was fishing to feed his family. When I go fishing and I throw a rod out there, I want to catch some. But if I don't, I'll go buy some. <laughs> Either way, I'm going to eat. <laughs> Captain D's or somebody. <laughs> but Peter was fishing to feed his family. Peter was fishing because he had business partners to pay. That's 
That's why Peter's, so there was a great deal of intensity and toil connected to his work. So he said, Lord, we have toiled work, hard work, all night. So now we go from toil to time. He says, we have toiled all night. And, and, and then, listen to this, when you work for an extended period of time and nothing seems to change, Boy, that's a message right there. When you work for an extended period of time, you expend a great deal of energy over an extended, and it doesn't seem to work, you get frustrated, and it's easy to say, later for this. I'm going to bake some cookies. I'm going to do something else. Which is, as I begin to study this text, that is a prelude to burnout. What? Toil. Over a period of time, and then here is the catch. Here's the clincher. He says, we call nothing. He didn't say we call one. We call nothing. Listen to this. When Peter said, we have caught nothing, he was speaking to the extreme failure. Of their fishing. We caught nothing. Oh, but what he didn't know. Boy, if my knees weren't so bad, I'd dance right now, y'all. What he did not know is that Jesus Christ has an affinity to extreme situations. Good God Almighty, the worse it is, the more attractive the Lord finds it. The worse it is, the more appealing it is to the Lord to step in the middle of it and bring about a change. He is attracted to extreme situations. So I want to tell you, no matter how bad your situation is, you might say, Bishop, you don't know just how bad it is. Maybe I may not know, but I know somebody who knows and he's looking at your situation and he's saying, wait a minute, you think it bad? It ain't bad enough yet oh sometimes God will step back and wait till it gets worse before he moves y'all don't believe that get in you got 32,000 men to go against over 120,000 but you got too many Lord what kind of math are you doing here So through a series of trials, he created a more extreme situation. He took it down to 300 men to face over 120,000. Why did he do that? Because the extreme nature of your problem, and I'm talking to somebody tonight, the extreme nature of your problem creates a backdrop for God to give you a miracle because when God does what he's about to do for you you're gonna know that you know that you know if it had not been for Jesus Christ there is no way I could have made it out of this if it had not been for the Lord there is no way this would have turned around if it had not been for Jesus there is no way this would have been fixed if it had not been for Jesus there is no way my marriage would have turned around if it had not been for the Lord there's no way my boy I would have been saved if it had not been for Jesus. Hallelujah. He's attracted to it. The worse it gets, 
Because he wants you to know when he brings about a change that the change that was wrought was undeniably him. God is about to do something in your life and when he does it, you're going to know this is undeniably God. There is no way I can deny that the hand of God is what caused this to happen. There is no way but to deny that it was God that healed my body. It was God that turned it around. It was God that fixed it. It was God that delivered me. It was God that set me free. It was God that saved my child. It was the Lord. The Lord. The Lord! The Lord! Somebody help me say Jesus! 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 Do you remember when the Bible says that there was a man whose body was covered with leprosy, extreme. And Jesus approached this extreme situation and healed this man. Do you remember the man who was living in the graveyard, howling like an animal at night, cutting his own flesh? Extreme. But Jesus didn't run from the extreme. He walked toward it. And when the extreme problem saw this Jesus, the extreme problem had to bow down. So I'm trying to tell you the extreme nature of your problem is about to bow down to Jesus Christ. Because our Lord is about to step in the middle of your situation. I don't know who in the world I'm talking to. But God is about to step in and bring about a change. Can you help me preach? Say, oh! Y'all some good preachers. So he said, we have toiled all night. And the only thing we have experienced is extreme failure. Oh, my God. I don't know if I've told you all this before, but if I did, you probably forgot. <laughs> A man wanted to prove the effectiveness of his oil additive. So he went to the junkyard and he got the worst running car in the junkyard. To say it was, a, was running is a, is a very liberal choice of words. It was barely making it. So they went and they poured in this oil additive. And voila, it started running smoother. It was purring. It was purring. But that begs a question. Why did he go to the most extreme problem in the junkyard? He went to the most extreme problem so that the change in performance would be attributed to the oil. When God came and got you and came and got me, he came to the junkyard. We were doing some of everything. We were living some of every kind of life, doing everything that we were big and bad enough to do. Some folk gave up on you. Some folk that said you would never change. But then our God went to the junkyard and he poured the oil of the Holy Ghost.
I said he poured the oil of the Holy Ghost in you. And ever since he poured the Holy Ghost in you, my God, you've been running better. You ain't smoking the way you used to. You are purring. You used to be tore up from the floor up. But when he poured in the oil, when he poured in the oil, thank God for the Oh yeah, we in church now. We wearing nice little jackets. Oh, but there was a time. Oh, you don't want to talk about that. You don't want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. I'm not proud of it, but there was a time when I used to smoke more dope than a chimney. But God looked down on me. Save me, pour the oil in me, change me. Jesus Christ is a change agent. Did he change you? Did he change you? Did he change you? Did he change you? Give him praise. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hey! So, God told me to tell somebody who's facing an extreme problem, don't worry about the problem. Think about the God who's stepping in the middle of it. In the Holy Ghost, I see God doing this. He said, we failed. And failure, failure has a way of doing things. In your mind. Because when you fail at something, sometimes, depending on how great the fall, it can create a spirit of hopelessness. Now, you must understand, hope is powerful and necessary. Christian hope is simply not wishful thinking. But Christian hope is a positive expectation that my future holds something better than my present. Y'all hear what I'm saying? In other words, because I have hope, it don't matter what I deal with dealing with now because I know there's something in my future. I'm somewhere in the future and I look much better than I look right now. Baby, I'm looking good in the future. You can look at me now and see how jacked up I am, but that's all right. I'm looking much better down the road. <laughs> Ladies, you're looking at that brother. He seems tore up now, hair all mushy. You don't see no potential, but down the road. <laughs> down the road, you said, Lord, I wish I had eyes to see. So, failure has a way of robbing you of the will to expect that your future holds something better. It's been so long, you're single, been so long as you've been on a date, 
You don't even remember. You're seeing other people get married. You're praying and you're fasting. You're speaking in tongues. You, you're speaking prophetic utterances. You, you're doing everything you know to do. That ain't nothing happening. But if you could see what's coming, you wouldn't be crying. Because I sense that God is going to bless you in such a way that it's going to be worth every tear you ever shed. It's going to be worth every lonely moment you spent waiting, waiting, waiting on things to get better. God has to get the knuckleheads out the way. God is a divine knucklehead remover. See, you marry, mess around and marry one of them knuckleheads, then you would be talking about, Lord, why you do this to me? <laughs> Somebody say, hope. hope! Without hope, it's hard to get up in the morning. Without hope, it's hard to keep fighting, keep believing that something good is going to happen to you. Without hope, it's hard to believe that things are going to change. Real talk. Because hope inherent in Christian hope is the power to persevere when everything screaming inside of you is saying quit. Dr. Richter was a professor. They did a study on the power of hope. And in that study, they got some rats. And people love rats? <laughs> I don't know. We got all kind of animal lovers. I don't know. <laughs> Remember Willard? <laughs> so here's what they did. In a laboratory environment, they got two sets of rats. And I'm not saying this is the most humane experiment, but stay with me. One set of rats, they put it in a tub of water. And the rats, they were dog paddling. They were getting it, buddy. After an hour, all of them were dead. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. <laughs> it just seemed to fit, you know. But they got another set of rats. And they put these rats in a different tub of water. And the rats started. But what they did different just about the time the rats were getting ready to give out, a hand would reach in, pull the rat up, and put the rat back down. And the rat would... Just about the time the rat was about to give up, a hand would reach in, pull it up, and put it back down. That, those rats swam true for over 24 hours. Why? Because they had learned, if I can just keep stroking, there is a hand. Have you ever had the hand of God reach down when you were about to give up, when you were about to throw in the towel, when you felt like you were on your last leg? The, the hand of God reached out.
down and pluck you out. Those rats had learned by experience, baby, if I can just keep stroking, the hand is coming. I'm here to tell you tonight the hand of God is coming in the middle of your situation. God did not leave you alone. God did not leave you comfortless. The hand, the hand, the hand. So in my mind, I can see those rats doing this. And that's what God wants us to do. Look for the hand. And as I began to think on that illustration, it brought me to tears because I began to reminisce. Walk down memory lane. And I thought about the many times. The hand of God. In the middle of my situation, plucked me up and gave me rest. Does anybody know what it's like for God to pick you up and give you rest? Does anybody in here, maybe I'm at the wrong place, but I need some folk who know what it's like to have the hand of God reach down. And pluck you up. So the Bible says, in closing, he told Peter, launch out into the deep and prepare for this great catch. They did it, and true to his word, they caught more fish than they had ever caught, so much so that the blessing was bringing down the boat, pressed down shaking together running over pressed down I'm talking to somebody tonight pressed down shaking together is it this side pressed down shaking together running over pressed down this side say pressed down shaking together running over pressed down shaking together running over Press down, singing together, running over, running over, running over. Hallelujah! And then I leave you with this. This just blew me away. You remember at the beginning of this story? Peter said, Master, we have toiled all night. But at the end, he says, Lord, depart from me, for I am a wicked man. He went from master. Somebody saw that. He went from seeing Jesus as master to seeing Jesus as Lord. There are certain things that the Lord allows to happen in your life to bring you from one point of revelation to another. And when Peter got a revelation of who Jesus was, the Bible says that he left everything. That whole narrative was to bring Peter from master to Lord. What you're going through right now, it has a divine purpose to bring you from one place to another. 
He wants you to be intricately and intimately aware of him as Lord. Because when you recognize our Jesus as Lord, you do what he says. If he says stop fornication, you stop. If he says stop adultery, you stop. He says stop that pornography, you stop. And the reason you stop is because you recognize him as Lord. Thank you once again for listening to World Harvest Church's podcast. World Harvest Church is pastored by Pastor Merrick and Linda Houghton in Roswell, Georgia. If you're interested in learning more about us, please visit our website at whcga.com. Like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel by typing WHCGA into the search bar on both platforms. And we hope you have a blessed week.